Charlie Marks asked me this morning, I was back here doing something and Charlie came walking in and he said, well, it's good to have you back. He said, do you feel like this is your first sermon you've preached? Like it was your first sermon? I said, Charlie, it's funny. I said, just this morning I was thinking about it. I said, the last time I preached was Christmas Eve. And I said, uh, it does seem like it's been such a long time ago. So here's what I would say. If this sermon falls flat this morning, just chalk it up to inexperience. <laughs> Take your Bible, if you will. Open it to Matthew chapter 10. This week, Nancy and I were over at Baptist Hospital to see Beth Coleman after her surgery on her neck. While we were there, Beth shared with us how every time she's had to spend time recovering from a surgery, it has been one of the most rewarding spiritual times in her life. She looked at me and she said, I'm sure you understand, Pastor Rick. And I said rather quickly, Beth, it's true. I said, during the last several weeks, I have reflected on many things. But the one thought that has stayed with me more than any other is the truth of my life that I love Jesus Christ, my Lord. You know, it started the night of my surgery, after my surgery. Nancy was asleep in the fold-out chair there in the room, and one of the aides came in. And I don't know what time it was in the morning. It was, seemed like it was like 4, 4.30. And he said, Mr. Bird, we've got to go walk again. <laughs> so we, I got up, and we went walking down the hall, and we were having a good conversation. We went to one end. We were turned around and coming back by the other end. And I had gotten hiccups that night and trying to get rid of them, everything I could do. And one of the other aides had said to me, hold your breath and they'll go away. And I'd done that for a couple of times and it, it worked. Um, but they would come back. And, but they had gone away at that point. And this aid was funny because there was um, an African-American um, uh, man and woman who were both from West Africa who were working um, different shifts. And then there were uh, uh, a man and a woman from the Philippines working both shifts. And and I discovered that Moses Cone has a program where they invite, I guess, uh, people, recruit people from other countries to come and, and work there at the hospital. But they were some of the nicest people. Um, and as we're walking down the hall, I saw the, the man from the Philippines in the snack room, and he's the one that had told me about holding my breath. And, and I stuck my head in, and I said, I just want you to know it worked. He came out and he said, well, I'm glad. He said, I just want to say something. And I said, what's that? And he said, you're different. 
He says, we get a lot of people in here in patient season, but you just seem different. And I said, and I don't know why I said this. I don't normally say this. I should, but I don't. I said, man, I just love Jesus. I'm a Christian, and I just love the Lord. And he looked at me with a smile on his face, and he says, Christ does make all the difference, doesn't he? And I kept reflecting on that thought. And I kept asking myself, why don't I say that more often? Why don't I tell people more often that I love Jesus? You know, we talk about I love the church, my church, I love my small group, or I love my Sunday school teacher, or I love this person or that person, but rarely do you ever hear people say, except in singing, just hear them say naturally, I love Jesus. I love Jesus Christ. The staff will tell you at our first staff meeting at my house two weeks ago, I shared with them that moving forward, the one thing that I want people to know about Rick Bird is that I love Jesus Christ. You can forget everything else. That's the one thing that I want people to know is that I love Jesus. I want people to hear me saying it often, but more importantly, I want my life to show it. And I shared with them how I'd been praying for that to be true of everyone here at Cornerstone as well. Bible teacher Beth Moore posted recently on her Twitter account, I love my husband. Oh man, I love my children and grandchildren. Way beyond words I do. I love my friends and co-laborers in Christ so deeply. But the love story of my life has been with Jesus of Nazareth, whom I have never once seen and whose voice I've never once heard out loud. Some of the responses to her tweet included, I want that kind of love for Jesus. I can't wait for the day when I see the one whom my soul loves finally face to face. It's completely crazy and at the same time, the realest thing in my life, this mad love for Jesus. Another one said, I feel the same. I'm so grateful for all the wonderful people in my life, but I'm most grateful for the love of Jesus, his passionate, tender care for me and his consistent and intimate companionship with me. And then another one, amen, I love Jesus. Friend, we've all thought it. We've all said it. We've sung it here this morning. Oh, how I love Jesus. But here's the question. When we say, I love Jesus, are they just nice, pious-sounding words, or do we really mean it? How do we know that we really love Jesus? How do we know that our love is genuine, that our love is real for Christ? Well, according to the Bible, we're commanded to love both God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the two foundational commands in the gospel. When asked the question on one occasion, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? 
Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Other gospels even add strength. In other words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So loving God with your heart and all that you are is the first and greatest command of Jesus. Then in our text, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, look what Jesus said to his followers. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So now we have two powerful life-transforming commands. On the one hand, Jesus says we're to love God the Father with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we're to love Jesus more than we love our children, more than we love our parents, more than we love anyone or anything. Here's what I want you to take from the message this morning. The Christian's love for God and his love for Jesus Christ is to be above all other loves. So let's look here at what it means to love the Lord Jesus. There are two points I want to make this morning. Loving Jesus is both natural for the believer and it is necessary. Look in the first place. Loving Jesus is natural for the believer. Why? Because it's a part of our nature as children of God. On one occasion, Jesus looked into the eyes of some Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, and said, if God were your father, you would love me. Now he's saying... To those religious leaders, the most religious, the most devoted, the most God-oriented Old Testament people on the planet, Jesus is looking at those men and saying, you don't know God. God's not your father. In fact, Jesus goes so far as to say, you are of your father. The devil. Friend, that is mind-boggling. These were the top religious leaders. These were the men who were most devoted. The most God-oriented people. And Jesus says, you don't know God. In fact, your father is not God. Your father is Satan. So what is the litmus test? for knowing whether somebody is a lover of God? Here's the answer. Do they love Jesus? Do they love Jesus? Do they claim Jesus, not just as some human teacher, not just as some uh, wise prophet, but as the very son of God? You want further proof? Hold your place here and turn over to John chapter 5. We read in John chapter 5 where Jesus said to those same religious leaders, if you don't have time to turn over there, look up there on the screen. 
Jesus said to those same religious leaders on another occasion, he said, I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. You see the implication? Jesus is telling them, you don't have the love of God in you. How do I know? Because you don't receive me. Friend, why is that a big deal? Why is Jesus making such a big deal out of this? Simply, you can't have one without the other. Loving Jesus is the test of whether you love God, and loving God is the test of whether you love Jesus. So when you're witnessing to someone and they tell you, I worship the same true God that you worship, Jesus would say, no, you don't. You don't even know God. If you don't accept his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot know God and you cannot love him. Where does that love come from? You remember the story about the Pharisee who asked Jesus to come to dinner in Luke chapter 7? Turn over to Luke chapter 7. Now, if you read the passage there in Luke chapter 7, we read where this Pharisee who had invited Jesus to his house for dinner He didn't take the time to wash Jesus' feet. He didn't kiss Jesus. He didn't do anything to show affection for the Lord. But suddenly there's this woman of the street, a prostitute. She's leaning over Jesus' bare feet, weeping. Tears are falling on Jesus' dirty, tired feet. And then she takes her and begins to wash Jesus' feet. The Pharisee at this point is bent out of shape. He can't believe what is taking place right there in his house. And he says to Jesus, in essence, if you're a prophet, you would know what kind of woman this is, for she's a sinner. That's what he's saying in verse 39. And then Jesus proceeds to tell this Pharisee a story about two debtors. One owed something like $5,000. The other, a small amount, probably around $5. And this man forgave both debtors. And Jesus asks the question, who will love him more? The man who was forgiven the equivalent of, say, $5,000 or the man who was forgiven $5. And the Pharisee says, look in verse 43, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, you have judged rightly. And then he said to the Pharisee, When I came in here, you didn't kiss me. You didn't wash my feet. 
But from the time I came in, this woman has wept over my feet. She's washed my feet with her tears. She's wiped them with her hair because she has been forgiven much. So where does love come from? It comes from being stunned by being loved by God. The fact that God, the God whom Isaiah proclaimed was holy, holy, holy. The sovereign God of this universe, the one who created this world and everything in it, the one who reigns supreme over all. When you and I come to realize that this God who created this world, who brought my life into existence, loves me with an unconditional love, who has extended grace and mercy to me, we will be so overwhelmed by that truth that it will humble us and it will cause us to do as this dear woman did and that is to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and to give him everything that we have to show our appreciation and our gratitude for what he has done for us. This love comes from being overwhelmed by the person of Jesus dying on our behalf and rising again. Though we have no merit at all in ourselves, when that truth grips your life, when that truth grips your heart, there is nothing or no one who will ever take first place in your life over Jesus. He will truly be first in your life. And you will say with the Apostle Paul, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I want to ask you this morning, what in your life is more valuable to you at this moment than Jesus Christ? Oh, you say, well, nobody or no one. Really? Who gets the majority of your attention? Who do you think about the most? Who do you do things for the most? Friend, Jesus deserves our love. It's only natural for the child of God to love Jesus because he first loved us and gave himself for us. That's the first truth I want you to see. Second is loving Jesus is necessary for the believer. How do we know if we really love Jesus? Well, according to the Bible, we know we love Jesus by what we consistently, not perfectly do and don't do. 
We know this because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And John echoed Jesus' words there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, where he said, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, neither Jesus nor John meant that obeying Jesus' commandments is what love is, but rather that keeping his commandments results from love. In other words, if you love me, that's the root you will keep my commandments. That's the fruit. The root and the fruit are not the same. The root is love, something that is visible, something that is on the inside, something that comes from the heart, but it produces visible fruit, the keeping of his commandments. So love for Christ, by its very nature, produces the consistent characteristic of the obedience of faith. So one's love for Christ is made visible by obeying Christ. So if I say, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, then one has every right to ask me, okay, well, how do you prove that you love Jesus, and if I can't say, not perfectly, but consistently, I try to do everything that Jesus Christ has instructed me to do. Friend, we cannot love Jesus without trusting him, and we cannot trust Jesus without obeying him, so naturally we cannot love him if we live in persistent, conscious disobedience. Him. The story of the rich young ruler in Mark 10 illustrates the truth. You know the story. This young man comes to Jesus. He's very wealthy and he wanted to know what he needed to do. And he had done a lot of things. He had been obedient in many different uh, ways. Something, though, was troubling his soul, which is why he came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus said to this young ruler, he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, he says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And then it became clear. The man could not obey Jesus because he loved and trusted money more than Jesus. Friend, what if Jesus came to you this morning and said, I know you make a good living. I know you have a great job. But I want you to give it all up and come follow me in this particular ministry or doing something different than what you're doing today. You see, it's okay to have money, and it's okay to have a good job, stable income. But you and I should never hold so tightly to that money or that job that we are unwilling to do what Jesus asked us to do in any given moment of time. Because when we say no to him and say yes to the job or to the money, we have said without saying 
I love my money. I love my job more than I love Jesus. And chances are, Jesus isn't going to ask you to do anything you're probably not already doing. But what he's going to do is the same thing he did with Abraham with Isaac. He's going to test your faith. And he's going to want to find out how strong your love for him truly is. How do we know if we love Jesus? By what we consistently do and don't do. Now, why is that necessary? Well, it's necessary for several reasons. First of all, if you and I don't love Jesus, we will be cursed. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. Look what it says up there. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Secondly, loving Jesus is an essential mark of being a beneficiary of God's grace. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And third, going back to our original text in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus declares, if you love anything or anyone more than him, you cannot be his disciple. Whoever loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Friend, if we want to move our faith from our heads to our hearts, we must fall in love with Jesus all over again. Jesus invites us to abide in his love. In John chapter 15, verse 9, he said, As the Father has loved me, even so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I must admit, for too long, my faith was more academic than it was emotional. I knew who Jesus was. I had heard about Jesus all my growing up life. I had read the stories in the Bible. I had listened to sermons. Um, I knew who Jesus was. I believed intellectually he was the Son of God. I believed that he had died on a cross for the sins of the world. I had even chosen to follow him. I would even chosen to surrender my life to his call to ministry. But there was always a kind of formality about my faith. Everything changed when I began to read the Bible differently. And I began to not just read what the scriptures were saying about Jesus and trying to gain knowledge about Jesus. But I began to read the Bible and see Jesus as a real person. Not just someone to be studied, but someone who loved me and gave his life for me. For instance, when I read about Jesus standing by a shamed woman who had committed adultery, daring the self-righteous leaders to convict her, I imagined him doing the same for me 
with those who would point out my own sin, my own guilt, and my own shame. And I loved him. When Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched a leper, and the man became clean, I pictured Jesus reaching out his hand to my unclean life that had been dirty and filthy by the sin and the disobedience of this life and realized that Jesus wanted to make me clean. I loved him. When Jesus stopped and healed a woman who in faith touched his cloak and she was instantly healed, I knew that Jesus would also stop and give me his attention and he would heal me of whatever it is I needed. When I read about Jesus moved with compassion, raising his friend Lazarus from the dead, I knew that he could do the same thing for me in a spiritual sense. And when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, I realized that Jesus had the power to raise me up and give me new life in him. And I loved him with an everlasting, deeply grateful kind of love. When Jesus endured false accusations, when he was betrayed by his friends, rejected by his own, when he was beaten and crucified, and even experienced his own father's face being turned away so I could be free from the curse of sin. For the first time, I saw him as a real person, and I loved him. And I could go on and on. There are so many reasons to love Jesus. But here is the truth that you and I need to embrace. Jesus Christ is real. And he loves us. And for us to experience that love and to offer it back to him, we need to know him. Really know him. Not just cognitively, not just intellectually. But we need to know him personally. We need to know him intimately. We need to know him deeply in the inner parts of our being. Can I ask you this morning to join me in praying over this next year that we as a church would seek above all else to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ more than we ever have. And may we more freely and naturally from time to time say to the people we do business with, those we share life together with as a family, those we interact with socially, and those we fellowship with in our small groups, May we find it natural to say consistently, I love Jesus Christ, my Lord.
I want to make it clear what I mean when I say I love Jesus Christ. First of all, I admire Jesus more than any other being. I get my greatest enjoyment in life from Jesus. I want his approval over anyone else's approval. I want to spend more time with Jesus than I want to spend with anyone else. I feel more indebted and grateful to Jesus than I do with anyone else. I trust what Jesus says over what anyone else has to say. And I rejoice more when Jesus is exalted than in the exaltation of anyone else, including my family, my kids, my grandkids, or myself. Friend, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. So let us rejoice in who Jesus is. Let us rejoice in what he has done for us. And let us go out from here and tell the whole world, I love Jesus Christ, my Lord.